0: Today we're finishing up a series of messages that we've called Quitter. We've been talking about things in our lives that can cause problems for us, things that can keep us from growing in our relationship with God, things that are not productive, things that keep us from advancing in our walk with the Lord, and how we can be quitters, How we can, with God's power at work in us, quit doing those things that are not productive, that are not producing any results for us, that are not getting us anywhere. So we've talked about making excuses. We've talked about complaining and about living in in fear. And today's message, in a sense, is the the continuation, I guess we would call it, of, of all those other messages. In fact, there's some overlap. There's some elements of of all these other things that we've talked about in here because the way I see it, this topic today feeds every one of those other things that we need to quit. It drives us to make excuses, to complain, to live in fear. See, the reality is for most of us, the most difficult thing in the Bible for us to get our heads around is not, you know, don't murder. Isn't it kind of funny how, for, uh, how, how that's become like the trump card for unbelievers? I mean, somebody, you know, is not a follower of Jesus, and, and we're talking to them about the Lord, and they go, Hey, I'm a good person. I've never killed anybody. Oh, well, good for you. You're kind of setting the, the good person bar a little low there, aren't you? I mean, all of us have people that we'd like to kill sometimes, but we don't do it, thank God. The vast majority of us, anyway. That's not it. And it's not don't steal for most of us. And even for, again, the vast majority of us, it's not don't commit adultery or don't lie. No, the most difficult thing in the Bible for us to get our heads around is found in Philippians chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, you want to turn over there because you're, you're, you're going to want to know where this verse and some of the others that we're going to talk about from Philippians 4 are at. You're going to want to underline those in your Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And, Dadgummit, there goes the Apostle Paul again, using those absolute words words like anything and everything. He just doesn't leave us any wiggle room. Don't worry. About anything. Well, what is it that we worry about? According to the results of a national poll, here are the top 10 things that we worry about. Real quickly, our health and fitness, 73% of us. Lack of time and time pressures, 49%. Uh, Then there's a tie. Our children's problems and job-related stress, both, both coming in at 43%. Personal investments, 39%. Estate planning, 37%. Relationships with our children, 34%. Aging, 30%. That's interesting. 100% of the population is aging, but only 30% of us are worrying about it. Income level, 22%, and our marriages, 21%. Now, isn't it interesting that some significant relationships, like our spouse and our children, they come in lower on the worry scale than estate planning and personal investments and job stress. Now, those are the things that we said we worry about. But now, this is from the home office. These are the top 10 things that we should be worried about. Okay, you'll want to take note of these. Number 10, global warming. Okay, just throwing that out there. Number nine, the strong possibility that professional wrestling might be fake. <laughs> Number eight, Travis Flora in, pos- in possession of a frozen farm animal. Now, not everybody will understand that, but if that applies to you, you'll get it. Number seven, Celine Dion song playing on the car radio and no nearby brick wall to ram into. What is it? Celine's got her fans, right? Number six, Pastor Scott gets off sermon notes, never gets back. Nah, never mind. Happens every Sunday. I don't know who wrote this list. Um, Number five, Tony Collins misses a Sunday, town of Flora goes unhugged. Number four, Number four, your son introduces new girlfriend. Mom and dad, gaga. Gaga, mom and dad. (coughs) Number number three, Flora, Ronald P. shows up on your caller ID. Number (laughs) Number two, just look in their eyes. Them hogs is planning something. And number one, the number one thing we should be worried about, next year's egg drop, One million eggs. (laughs) There's a myth behind all the worrying we do. We wrongly believe that by worrying, we can control things, that we can control the future. We think if we worry about our jobs and and our kids and our finances and our, our marriages and We think if we worry about it, I can control it. I can spin it. I can make it go like I want it to go. But nothing could be further from the truth. There are lots of problems with worry. But let's look at at three today to get us started. The first one is this. Worry is unhelpful. Worry is unhelpful. It never accomplishes anything. It never solves anything. You have never in your life heard anyone say, I am so glad I worried about that. I'm so glad that I expended time and sweat and stress and energy worrying about that thing. It just turned out so great because I worried about it. It it doesn't happen that way. Worry is like putting the car in park and racing the engine. You know, we're burning up fuel We're creating some noise and some smoke, but we're not getting anywhere. Worry has never solved a problem. It's never solved a problem. Worry can't change the past. It can't control the future. All it can do is make us miserable today. Worry is unhelpful, and worry is unreasonable. Worry amplifies our problems. It blows them all up out of proportion. It exaggerates them. It just, whatever it is that we're worrying about, the more we fret over something, the bigger it gets. And it diverts our attention away from things that are much, much more important. It causes us to expend this emotional energy. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? In other words, Jesus is saying, there are things in life much more important than what we are spending our time and spinning our wheels worrying about. You know, worry is like fog. Worry like fog. When the fog rolls in, we can't see clearly. We can't see what's ahead. When the fog rolls in, we, the school goes on two-hour delay. Because we want our kids to be safe, right? Accidents happen when the fog rolls in. But let me tell you, scientists have discovered that if you took the fog that covered a seven square city block, seven square city blocks, a hundred feet deep, and condensed it down, it would only produce enough moisture to fill less than an eight-ounce glass. That's how it works. That's what worry does. It it expands to fill the existing space that we give it. It exaggerates, it amplifies problems all beyond proportion. Because worry is unreasonable. And worry is unhealthy. Our bodies are not made to worry. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm worried sick? Guess what? They're right. Forty-three percent of adults suffer health effects due to worry and stress. Seventy-five percent of all primary care physician visits are due to stress-related problems. Worry has been linked to heart trouble, blood pressure problems, and ulcers, thyroid malfunction, migraine headaches, addiction and substance abuse, stomach disorders, some cancers, lung ailments, even accidents. On any given day, an estimated 1 million workers are absent from work because of stress. And more than one-third of the U.S. population, 112 million people, take medication for stress-related symptoms. Bless you. The word worry comes from an old English root word that means to strangle. That means to choke. And that's what worry does. It strangles the life out of us. It chokes the the happiness right out of our lives. Did you know we're not born worrying? We have to learn to do that. And that's really good news. Because if we can learn to do it, we can learn to stop. We can quit worrying. But if I'm going to quit worrying... And something important has got to happen. Something big has got to happen. I've got to believe that God will take care of me. If I'm going to quit worrying, I've got to believe that God will take care of me. Psalm 23, pretty familiar passage of Scripture. Even people that don't go to church or don't know much about the Bible have heard it. You hear it a lot at funerals. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. If I believe that God's going to take care of me, if I let Jesus be my shepherd, then I'm not going to worry. And the key to understanding why is understanding what shepherds do. A shepherd provides. A shepherd is responsible for providing the the food, the shelter, everything needed to care for the sheep. A shepherd protects Sheep have a lot of predators, natural predators, and and a lot of natural enemies. And the shepherd keeps them from harm. He protects them, defends them against their enemy. A shepherd guides. He leads the sheep when they don't know which way to go. Now, I heard somebody say this a long time ago. I don't know exactly how true it is, but they said sheep are stupid. And one one of the evidences of that is that sheep will just stay in the same place and graze, they'll eat the grass down to the dirt and then they'll try to eat the dirt and they'll starve to death unless the shepherd guides them to another pasture. The shepherd corrects. The shepherd keeps the sheep on the right path, in the right pasture. He provides any mid-course correction that they need. And here's the amazing thing in all this. God has promised to do all of those things in our lives. If we will trust Him. If we will trust Him and we will let Him be our shepherd. In Isaiah chapter 40, God tells the prophet this. He, God says this about Himself to Isaiah the prophet. He says, tell the people this. He will feed His flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in His arms, holding them close his heart. God says, I'll provide for you. I'll protect you. I'll guide you. I'll correct you if you let me be your shepherd. If you let me be your shepherd. Here's how Paul expressed it back in Philippians 4, if you drop down to verse 19. He says it like this, God will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God says, I will supply all your needs. It doesn't say, I might. It doesn't say, I'm going to think about it. It doesn't say, possibly, I'll take care of your needs. He says, I will. Do you know every time God makes a promise, He puts His character on the line? Because either it happens or He's a liar. And the Bible says there's only two things that God can't do. There's one that I I can't remember, and the other one is, I didn't look it up. The other one is, he can't lie. Not that he doesn't lie. Not that it's, you know, it's not a good idea if God lies. The Bible says he can't. So when God tells us, I'm going to do this, I will do this, his character is totally on the line. Either he's going to do it or he's a liar. And he's not a liar. God says, I will supply All of your needs. Now, again, we've gone over this before. You know what all means in the Greek? All. See, some of you can be taught. It's great hope. Does all include physical needs? Does it include spiritual needs and financial needs and health needs and relational needs and emotional needs? Yes, 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 and yes. God says, I will supply all your needs, everything you need. So, If God has promised to supply all our needs, to protect us, to guide us, to to, um, uh, correct us, to provide for us, what does that leave us to worry about? Not much. See, worry is not just unhelpful and unreasonable and unhealthy. It's unnecessary. If Jesus is our shepherd. If the Lord is our shepherd. In fact, anytime we worry, we're acting like atheists. I mean, really, truthfully, it's practical atheism because basically what we're saying is when we worry, God's not gonna meet my needs. God, you know, He's not gonna take care of me, He's not gonna do what He says He will do. And how is that different from being an atheist? So, how do we do it? How do we make Jesus our shepherd? It's as simple as A, B, C. A. We accept Jesus as Lord. Accept Jesus as Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I want to make sure we're crystal clear on this, okay? I don't want there to be any confusion. I don't want you to leave here saying, well, I think maybe he meant this. Let's be crystal clear. The Lord can't be our shepherd until the shepherd is our Lord. The Lord can't be our shepherd until the shepherd is our Lord. The two go together. How can we ask Jesus to be the the shepherd of our life, to to supply all of our needs, to, to protect us, to guide us, to correct us, without allowing Him to be Lord of our life? When Jesus is Lord, it means that He's in control. You know, back then they used the word Lord. We, we just don't really use that this mu- that much these days outside of church. Today, to express the same concept, we'd say the person in charge, the boss, the manager, the CEO, the, the one who's calling the shots. If Jesus is Lord of our life, then He's calling the shots. And if He's not calling the shots, then we need to stop kidding ourselves. He's not Lord. And if He's not Lord... He can't be our shepherd. To accept Jesus Christ as Lord means three things. Jesus told us in John chapter 10, three important things. He said this in John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. And a few verses uh, further down in John 10, 27, he said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. That's what it means to have Jesus as Lord. Jesus said, you know me. It means we know Jesus. Not that we practice a religion. Not that we have some spiritual habits you know, that we fall into. It means that we have a personal, intimate relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. The question is, do you know Him? Do you know Him? Have you personally crossed that line of faith, trusted that what Jesus did, he did for you, and asked him to come into your life and forgive your sins, to be your Lord and your Savior. Do you know him? That's step one. Jesus said, My sheep know me. And he said, My sheep listen to my voice, that we listen to Jesus. My goodness, there are a multitude of voices vying for our attention, trying to catch our ear. They are everywhere. They're all over the media. Listen to me. Believe what I say. Think like I want you to think. I mean, they're everywhere. Isn't that what the internet is? On the internet, everybody's an expert. Anybody with a keyboard, whatever they write, you know, has equal weight with whatever every, everybody else writes. Doesn't matter if they, you know, live in their mom's basement, never get out of their pajamas. They're an expert on the level of anybody else. There's voices vying for our attention. Who do we listen to? If Jesus is our Lord, we listen to Him. We, we listen to Him. He will speak to us if, through the indwelling Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and He will guide you into truth. He will be your companion. He will teach you. In fact, Jesus said, you won't have any need. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, if you're tuned into the Holy Spirit like it's possible to be, you won't need anybody else to teach you. Obviously, we're not there yet. He will speak to us. You know, that's what this is. This is God speaking to us. You know, I said it before a couple weeks ago. People come and say, Well, I just I'm waiting for a word from God. Here are thousands of them. You know, just pick a few. Why, why are you out chasing after something else? I mean, what you, let's take care of this first. Because I'm pretty sure we're not, you know, we don't have this down. He will speak to us through through his Holy Spirit. He'll speak to us through his word. It's just that simple. If Jesus is the boss. We better make it a priority to listen to him. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And he said, my sheep follow me. They follow me. The bottom line is that at the decision points of our lives, in our marriages, in our families, our jobs, in our business, do we follow other people? Do we follow our own ideas? Or do we follow Jesus Christ? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, that worry is, is like a warning light that comes on in our lives to let us know that God is not in control. Some percentage of us Driving, have been driving around ignoring the check engine light for a long time. Vicki and I had a friend in college that just took a piece of black tape and put it on the plastic over the warning light. And like If he couldn't see it, it wasn't there. But we, we ignore the warning light. See, that's how God works. He gives us options. God doesn't force himself on any of us. He gives us some some choices. We have options. We can either be in control of our life or we can let God be in control. And I'm going to tell you, if we're trying to run things, we should worry. We should be shaking down to our shoes and socks if we're trying to run things. But if God is running things and Jesus is our Lord and Jesus is our shepherd, we don't have to worry. He provides. He protects. He guides, he corrects when we accept Jesus as Lord of our life. B. Begin praying about everything. Begin praying about everything. What if we just decided to start praying about all of that stuff we've been worrying about? Do you think some things would change in your life? If we begin to pray about the things that we worry about, we just take it to God and told Him about all these things we worry about, I bet our worry level is going to drop. Because prayer changes everything. Worry doesn't change anything. Worry is like being on a treadmill. Not that treadmill that you're using as a clothes closet, all right? That is a hamper, or clothes hanger. Not that one. But the treadmill that we get on. And we started up, and for all of the effort and all of the sweat and all of the time that we put in, when we get off, we're in exactly the same place we were at when we got on. That's what worry is like. But prayer puts us in touch with the God who can do something about our situation, who can get us some progress. And whenever I'm worried, I have two options. I can panic or I can pray. One's a lot more productive than the other. Again, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Everything. Pray about everything. Most of us, when we pray, we tend to pray prayers that we think God wants to hear. I ruffled some feathers a few weeks ago when I said, we spend a lot of our time praying for things that are going to work out anyway. But well, we make another mistake when it comes to prayer. We only pray for big things. It's like, I don't want to bother God with the little stuff, just the major stuff. You know, the stuff that I can't handle, that's what I'm going to bring to God in prayer. But the Bible says, pray about it, everything. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. We've made reference to this verse the past few weeks, 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 7. The New Living Translation says, Give your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Most other translations say cast your cares. Cast your anxieties. Cast your worries on God, because He cares for you. Now, let's talk about casting for a moment. And uh, I picked this up, and half the men in here made the Scooby-Doo sound. <laughs> um there's, there's a couple different kinds of casting. We, we're pretty good at casting. Watch yourselves. Oh, yeah. We're pretty good at casting. That's, that's casting, right? But what do we do? We say we all know that ball has written things like fear, anxiety, trouble, confusion. We cast it on the Lord, but then what do we do? Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've given that to God. You know, I've just cast my cares on the Lord. Yeah, but you're worrying just as much now as you did before. You're still fearful. You're still confused. You're still stressed. Because we don't really give it to Him. Oh, we cast it out there, but we reel it back in. You know what else we do? Sometimes we'll cast our... uh... Now, nobody was on the front row in the first service, but... Just giving the Lawsons fair warning over there. Sometimes we cast our cares to the wrong places. Don't we? We'll cast them on a person or a relationship. Right? Surely they'll they'll be able to help me. Surely they can get me relief. We'll cast our cares on the possibility of some kind of change. You know, if this circumstance changes, I'll be all right. Uh, If I can just hang in there for a few days if I can get through this move, if I get that job, if I get that promotion, if I get through the holidays. But we have to reel that back in. Because no matter who they are, no matter what it is, it can't meet our needs. It can't give us the relief that we're looking for. The truth is, Casting is like throwing out the garbage. That's literally what it means. It's like we take all of our worries and all our concerns and we stuff them in a big old garbage bag and we throw it out on the curb. And the garbage truck comes along, picks it up, and it's G O N E gone. You know, in my neighborhood, I don't know, but it may be different where you live, but in my neighborhood, the garbage tr- truck only picks it up, he never drops off. Once He takes it, it's gone. That's what it means to cast our cares on Him. We can discard them. We can throw them away. To never see them again, our anxieties, our worries, our fears, we can cast our stress on Jesus because He cares for us. Now, here's, here's what I'm saying. Let's let God be God. Let's just decide right here, right now, that we are going to resign as general manager of the universe. The world does not depend on or revolve around you or me. God is God. We're not. And as long as we're trying to be God in our life, we'll be filled with worry because we can't handle everything. Pray about everything. You know, here's something else that can bring relief from worry. It still involves prayer, but it involves enlisting other people to pray with you and to pray for you about the things that are going on in your life, to pray with us about everything. But the truth is that won't happen unless we have real fellowship with other believers. See, too often we act like we're the only ones that have experienced any problems that have experienced any pain. We're the only ones who've gone through a trial like this, and I'm telling you, that's wrong thinking that keeps us isolated and alone. If we'll open up, we'll find out that everybody has been through this. Everybody has struggled. Not, maybe not your specific struggle to the detail, but other people have experienced loss. Other people have experienced stress, job stress, financial stress, relationship stress. Stress over their kids. Stress over their health. If we just open up a little bit, we can get the help and the, and the hope and the encouragement that we need. But it will not happen if we keep the walls up. It will not happen as long as we, we have this need to make everyone else think we've got it all together. That we never have any problems. Just be honest and finally just admit to one another I struggle, I I hurt, I messed up. I I have messed up, I am messing up, I will mess up. Just be real. That's what church is for, that's what we're here for to be a, a healing place for hurting people. And you know, the truth is if you're perfect and you've got it all together and you never struggle with anything, the exits are to the rear. Go home. But if you want to be real, you want to be real about your struggle because you want to know the great physician and you want to to give help and receive help from people who are on the same journey, then stay put. Now the truth is, We can't develop those kinds of relationships in a large group like this. It's not going to happen. It's too easy to hide. See, you're maybe sitting in front or behind or, or next to people you don't even know. You don't even know their names. But you can't hide in a small group. That's why we have life groups. That's how those kinds of relationships are developed in life groups. And I just challenge you. We've got six more weeks of life groups left. Get involved in one. I promise you nobody's going to bite you in a, in, in a small group. Nobody's going to make you read anything or talk out loud if you don't want to. Life groups are full of people just like you. People who want to grow in their relationship with God and with each other. And I won't promise you that if you get involved in a life group, you'll never worry again. But I'm telling you, for the life of me, I don't understand how some people make it through this world without knowing that there's a, a small group, that there's just a handful of people who are praying for them, who are encouraging them and supporting them. I don't know. Pray about everything. And finally, there's, there's one more way that we can let Jesus be our shepherd. Let him lead us to victory over worry. See, consider one day at a time. Consider one day at a time. Matthew 6, verse 34 says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You know, when we worry, it doesn't change a thing about yesterday. It doesn't control how tomorrow turns out. Again, it just makes us sick and miserable today. But the future looms out there, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's huge. It's, a, it's unknown. It can be overwhelming. And I believe that's why God has broken it up into little bite-sized segments. I mean, the reality is we can only take the future in 24-hour increments. That's how it comes to us. Live one day at a time. We've been talking off and on about the Israelites, how they were being led by God out of captivity, out of their slavery, to the land that He had promised them. And one of the things He did for them as He led them through the wilderness is He provided food for them. They called it manna. And And God gave them some instructions about the manna. He said, just gather enough for one day. Just gather enough for one day. Don't try to take extra. Don't try to store a little back. I mean, just in case, we might get up tomorrow. Maybe it's raining. And and we might get up tomorrow and I've lost my job. We might get up tomorrow and my kids are rebellious. might get up tomorrow and, you know, my wife and I are mad at each other. So I better take a little extra. No, there were some people that tried to do that. When God began to give them manna, they they tried to, to gather a little extra, hold it back. And You know what happened to it? Overnight, it rotted. It, w- it was full of maggots, and it stunk. Worse than a teenage boy's socks. <laughs> That's bad. That was God's way of telling them, live one day at a time. Jesus, when he was teaching his followers to pray, in Matthew 6, he said, pray this way. Give us Today, the food we need. Some of us learned it as give us, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread, one day at a time. I'm going to tell you that overcoming worry is a day-by-day choice. Because there's no pill that we can take that will make us stop worrying. And there's no spiritual experience that we can have that, boom, we never worry again. Worry. And the antidote for it is going to be a daily choice. And for some of us, it's going to be an hourly choice. And for others, it's going to be a moment-by-moment choice where we are saying to ourselves, Am I going to believe the Lord is my shepherd? Am I going to let Him be in control of my life? Am I going to let Him call the shots? Because if I'm in control, i got a lot to worry about. But if God's in control, it's all on Him. It's all His problem. Let Him worry about it. He can handle it. I I don't know what you're going through right now. I know... More what some of you are going through than others. I know what I'm going through, but the truth is it doesn't matter. Because God knows. God knows. He knows exactly what we're going through. In Matthew 6, again, verses 32 and 33, Jesus said, Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Folks, the antidote for worry and the antidote for fear and the antidote for complaining and the antidote for making excuses is a relationship with God. Religion won't cut it. Religion won't do it. We don't need religion. We need a relationship. We need a shepherd. We need someone who will protect us and provide for us and guide us and correct us. You know that God made us to know Him? He knows us. He wants us to know Him. That's why He sent Jesus. So today, if you're worried, or you're stressed, or you're burdened, Please hear this and please know this. God loves you. He cares about your stress. He cares about your pain. And He can help you. The Lord is my shepherd. Is my shepherd. Can you say that with certainty? Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the shepherd your Lord? When we can say that and mean it, we're going to stop worrying. You don't have to carry your burden for one more second. Because you can be a quitter. You can quit worrying. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes. Father, right now we fess up.